Greetings. Wilkinson here. Today, my guest is Brent Hines. And who is he, you ask? Okay, he's a lot of things. He's a therapist. He was an editor on a publication. He works with music. He runs a nonprofit. A whole bunch of stuff. So first of all, say hi to everybody. Hey. What's yeah, the main I, things you do? What did I, I know, miss? I know. It's so funny. It sounds like, you know, actually, it's funny. There's, there's, you know, I've heard that a lot. It's like, wow, you do so much stuff. And it's like, it's not all at once. That's, that's kind of the cool thing is that, you know, having a selection of things to work on keeps me kind of engaged and entertained. So I'm a psychotherapist for my profession, but yeah, the writing, the creativity, I'm a musician and um, doing things for the community. That's kind of the nonprofit work. So it's all a lot of fun. I, and I think it all kind of comes together and kind of of a, a really happy gay life for me. So, so you started your life on the East Coast, correct? Yeah, I grew up in Pittsburgh, and then went to Colorado. Yeah, and my yeah, my dad moved us to Colorado, and I'm a Colorado kid. You know, snowboarding and hiking. How, how and old were you when you went to Colorado? Oh God, I was a kid. I was pretty young. Um, it seems like I've always been there. You know, to go back to Pittsburgh is is fun, and I think it will always be home. But you know, I did I did most of my my experience in Colorado. Okay. You know, with friends and school and all that so did you come from there to palm springs directly or was there another pit stop somewhere in i know it was was all over colorado it was i mean from here did you go from there to straight to palm springs or yeah Yeah. no san francisco first or something i thought about it but you know it's like with everyone you go to san francisco for the first time being a gay kid and you're like this is it we are gonna go and then you realize (laughs) that finances will be tough and Gray, you know, wet, I, yeah, cold. and wet and cold. <laughs> yeah, I'd much rather go to there to visit. Um, yeah. Palm Springs seems like home, though. I, I think it? I think this is the forever place. How long have you been here? Uh, seven years now. Cool. Time yeah. flies. It's yeah, about a year just, longer than me. Oh, it's amazing. You know, I've never experienced anything like this before. What do you like most about it? It, it? You know, a lot of people, it sounds kind of cheesy to talk about the community, but it's true. I've got friends. I've got friends that have become family and, and just, you know, to be in a, in a culture that's so fun and vibrant. It's not always party. It's, you know, I've had amazing dinner parties and, you know, seeing people out on the street and, you know. It's fantastic. I, well, yeah, you're, I can't you're a community builder, though. I am. I yeah. love, you know. So I'm, it's probably, yeah. in some ways, it's probably a little easier meeting people. Kind yeah. of. I, you know, I was extremely shy. I was I was a huge introvert until I was maybe about 31. And I, I really decided that I kind of wanted to try something else. Um, so you is, literally yeah. switched yourself? Oh, seriously. Wow. Uh, yeah, I was in an eight and a half year relationship. And right as I turned 30, I was in the middle of graduate school and we broke up. He was a drug addict and an ass. And I just kind of went, oh, my God, if I don't learn how to connect with people, um, I might be alone. And that's really scary. So, yeah, that's why I think a lot of the social skills building is kind of like any other kind of skill acquisition. You figure out you want to try something and you practice and you fall on your head a few times. But that's why it's important to go put on a crash helmet and some knee pads and just kind of go for it. <laughs> right. Yeah. It was really interesting to, um, you know, you talk about community building. I think I've had a lot more fun not being so freaked out by people and just being um, engaged. So it's, it's a gift, but, you know, I've worked my ass off for it. What is your nonprofit? Um, it's called Perspective Shift. It was originally started God, a zillion years ago just to support gay men's journey th- through life. And so I think the first big project that we did was when PrEP came out, we did the first statewide um, campaign in Colorado, not only for navigation, but also for information and getting that out. Yeah, we've done all kinds of stuff with um, different like lecture series, stuff like that. So that started while you're in Colorado? Yeah, it's been, God, 
15, 15 years maybe. But you're still involved. It's still yeah. alive, right? Yeah. It's kind of a one-guy show. Um, my husband is really integral in doing technology and, and really you – know, he, he's such an amazing support just in everything that I do. So, you know, I'm kind of the spotlight guy, but what's the line behind, behind every great man as a, a great hubby or something like that? <laughs> what's well, a little twist on the normal Yeah, one, I guess. That's, I get it. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so your day – Yes. Oh, so my God. I, I never know. would have figured that as out. Far, as far as I know. <laughs> Except for all the pink outfit you have on. Well, Just yeah, kidding. right. No. The, the tutu gave it away? <laughs> yeah. Damn it. He's dressed in black, people. He's not oh my God. He's not dressed like that. You know what? I've worn I've worn black since, I don't know, I probably started wearing black in about sixth grade and never went back. Yeah, when I was in Seattle, I my whole entire wardrobe was gray, black, and maybe a little blue. That's it. Everyone wants but a splash I, of color. When I went to Paris, everybody's in black, and I loved it. It's like, oh, yeah, this is cool. Right. But my, now I buy bright shirts down here because it's Palm Springs. Well, it's funny. My mom's like, you know, they do make other colors, right? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I know. So what is your um, – what's the social group thing you started? Oh, so out here, um, after moving to Palm Springs, I, I – I, you know, of course, you, you meet tons of people. And so one of the one of the things I kept on hearing from a lot of my single friends was that everyone out in Palm Springs and in the Coachella Valley was partnered. And for single guys, it's it's awful. And I said, well, I know a bunch of single guys. They're like, yeah, but well, then where are they? So I just thought this could be a fun little program. So it started with a little Facebook group called Palm Springs Single Guys. And now it's grown to have, we, we do a monthly social at the Camelot theater and it's just, it's very chill. It's just a couple hours a month. And, you know, but the group on Facebook's grown to over 2000 members who I verify are at least in the area and at least say that they're single, you know, so it's a resource. I'm always encouraging people to kind of reach out and just, you know, say, Hey, I'm looking for people to go on a hike with who's, who's available, who's interested. Or who wants to go have coffee? You know, and sometimes people post, you know, sexy, thirsty pictures and say, you know, hey, boys, you know, <laughs> come and get it. Within Facebook's guidelines, of course. Well, of course. Yeah, a, a little nip slip's okay. You know, we all like good advertising, so it's fine. <laughs> of all the things you're involved in right now, what's your favorite? Oh, God. It's hard. Well, actually, so, you know, counseling is my passion. I, there is, you know, there's an opportunity to actually do professionally what I love to do. So I, I love that. Music's probably my biggest thing right now. I, I probably, I work less than 20 hours a week on counseling, but I work way over 40 hours a week on music. I've got three music projects and I'm writing a musical right now. So it's taken up time, but it's, it's super fun. I get to be kind of antisocial and sit in my room and no, but you're antisocial. Well, a little. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Come on. You know, it's funny because you know you've got introvert, extrovert, and then ambervert, and an ambervert is kind of in the middle, and it depends on the situation and the and the mode that you're in. COVID really knocked me on my ass. You know, I was I was feeling wonderfully social being here, and the year and a half of intensity with COVID, I. I started to come back out and I, I think I lost focus on some of those skills that I had learned. And it, you know, it's, I think a lot of us are really struggling to get back to feeling as comfortable and confident as we were. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think people look on the outside and look at me and go, oh yeah, he's, he's fine. No big deal. I have to say since going back out, I really have to kind of rile myself up to, to go. Go back out where? To to like bars and events. I still haven't gone to big, huge events. One of my because of COVID or because of 
Well, kind of, kind of because of COVID, you know, you get conditioned to not necessarily want to be around a zillion people. Granted, I think there's a lot of us that are like, hey, let's go to Puerto Vallarta. Let's go to Folsom. Let's go to, you know, all these places that are really packed with, with guys and, you know, making out and doing all this stuff, which is totally fun. But for that time period, it was also extremely dangerous. So... Yeah, I mean, to go back and forth. No, that being said, I had a buddy that was visiting over the weekend from Seattle, and I went out three different days to to bars and clubs and had a great time and, you know, running into all these people, and they're like, we miss you. You know, that was nice. So it's, I guess there's part of me that, I mean, I really still do enjoy it, but it does, I don't think it comes as naturally as before COVID. So your husband is Todd. Todd. What do you like about Todd? Oh, he's, yeah. You know, it's so funny. We, we have the most unromantic beginnings of our relationship. Um, I, you know, I think, I think a lot of people like want that Disney princess version where you look across the room and you lock eyes and you fall in love or you just can't be without that person. And And the music starts playing. It's beautiful. Um, No, we, it was funny. We met, met online. I was living in Colorado. He was in, in Dallas and he moved to Denver and we just, had coffee and we just hung out. It was probably about two, three months into just relaxing together, like never talking about dating. I introduced him as a, as my boyfriend at a party and he just laughed and kind of said, do you want to talk about this? I'm like, yeah, well, we hang out all the time. I think you're amazing. And he said, yeah. Like, so we're going to date. Yeah, I am amazing. <laughs> I, was like, I know. I know. No, he's great. And it's funny. Like a, like a year into our relationship, we bought a house together, which is ridiculous. My mom was like, what are you doing? So like, you were yeah. just boyfriend stage at that point. Yeah. And bought a um, house together. Yeah. Well, I was, yeah, it was just, it just, you know, when it's right, it's right. And we'd both been in long-term relationships before and, you know, we're, we're mature. We have, you know, we're both responsible and, you know, have our own, our own lives and our own interests. So it was, it was actually really nice. Is he yeah. your age or younger? Or oh, older he's what? a couple years older. Okay. Yeah, I'm into older guys. Are Don't, you, yeah. You? No. <laughs> no. You're in the right yeah. town. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. It's not seriously. Oh, no. You know, I, I, I'm more, I more go for intelligence and energy and personality, but, right. oh, he's beautiful. And he's amazing and so smart and so kind. But he's also ultimately supportive. I've got all these, I'm a dreamer and creative. And so he just basically goes, okay, well, what can I do to help? He doesn't, you know, he, he really wants me to leave him alone most of the time, honestly. He really? just wants to, oh yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's funny, over COVID, he's such an introvert, but even COVID made him go, oh my God, I miss hanging around people. Really? So, oh yeah, it got, it got to that point. No, but I, you know, COVID, I worked on, I worked on music and stuff and, and he found a, um, a passion for Lego. So now we've got this. This Lego city that he's designed and, you no know, way. he's, yeah. <laughs> Are they still as expensive as they used to be? Yeah. Scary I remember thing. when my kids, my three sons were younger. It was like, oh, oh my yeah. God, that's expensive. Oh, it is. It's expensive. You know what, though? His Lego investment did so well financially. Like the collectible market did way better than my retirement plan. So, you know, I, I can make fun of him all day long, but Wait, at the end of the he day, make, he didn't make money on Lego. No, yeah, no, but they've all gone up and all gone up in price oh, and, so they're, and they're all collectibles. Okay. Yeah. Legitimately. It's, it's kind of a strange thing, but um, yeah, there's certain things that did really well, even with interest rates rising, you know, certain things like baseball cards do really well, which is kind of weird, but so whatever. does he have a Lego room? He does. So oh, no. we, we agreed. <laughs> so we agreed when we got together that all of my, my music stuff and my toys and all these weird things that I collect um, could be in one room, but not strewn throughout the house. And so he is, he works from home. And so his, his office is pretty big, 
But I'm like, okay, so the same thing exists. Your Lego cannot move beyond this room. Okay. So, yeah, it's fine. It's it's really impressive. Almost everyone that comes over to our house, they're like, holy crap, this is amazing. And then he gets to talk about it for 10 or 15 minutes. Or did he build a Lego desk for himself? He did. Well, actually, no. no he has. Really. <laughs> no, actually, he's really funny. He So some of them are prefab, but some of them he's designed on his own. Um, there's a like a, a CAD system that you can build Lego things. So his he built me a, a stadium with a stage for a Lego band to play on. Oh, wow. He just did so a four- So can you buy like- just like building blocks oh, yeah. separate. They're not in a kit. No, it's actually pretty cool. You can design a thing and then it gives you a list and you can just go to this website and order from people from all over the world. Wow. And yeah, it's a whole commodity. It's, it's, it's this, this Lego economics. It's so now weird. these are the little Lego things, right? Uh-huh. They've got different sizes, don't they? Oh, I, don't, I think yeah. they're all scale. They're all the same. I've seen some um, really big ones. Maybe that's a kid, a yeah. toddler toy. Oh yeah. Know. Like Duplo or something, yeah, but he's done, um, now his latest thing is he's done a four or four story bathhouse. So I, I don't think that's what the designers of Lego ever intended for someone to do something kinky with them. But that's Todd. So um, <laughs> you know, that's I, you know we we all have our creativity in different ways. Now everything's great. Let's talk about gay men. Ooh, I don't know anything <laughs> about gay guys. What percentage of your clientele in your therapy uh, are gay guys? Ninety eight. 98. Um, well, Palm yeah. is low. Well, it is. You know, it, it's funny. I, I don't, you know, I, I wouldn't not take non-gay male clients, but I think as far as a community, I think, right. you know, we we need the support. And, and, and it's a cultural group. So I would not go into another cultural group and think that I could effectively counsel them because I don't I don't know the culture as well. As far as like a gay guy, I'm, I'm pretty aware of a lot of what, what we at least potentially struggle with. There must be categories of stuff. Well, so what are what are the main things that oh, yeah. gay, gay, gay guys deal with? You know, I think I think really the biggest one is self worth. You know, okay. and 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 self image. I mean, not only in, like in our bodies, but also like in our accomplishments. You know, can we date? Can we get laid? Can we um, have friendships? Um, so a lot of the confidence is there, but then depending on how we grew up. Um, if there was trauma, um, you know, fear of being found out, fear of being kicked out. You know, it depends on like what kind of discrimination we we got, either from our families, from religion, politics, um, other kids. It can really cause a lot of trauma. So, well, from my experience on here, a super high percentage of guys had religious backgrounds, and that was like a big problem. Oh yeah, I think that for most of us, I think that's the first time that we heard that being gay was bad. Right. Um, it was a sin. You're going to hell. I don't think a lot of parents sit down with their kids and say, you know, if you're gay, you're you're going to hell. I think you hear it secondhand. And then, you know, people in, and then you hear about things like HIV and there's, you know, there's fear and, and all that. And then you realize a lot of times you hear these messages and you're also figuring out, you're like, hey, I'm definitely not a heterosexual. It doesn't matter, you know, if it's either gender or sexuality. Sometimes people just recognize that they're different. Right. And so, you know, when you realize that you're different, that can be terrifying. It doesn't necessarily just mean, you know, with who you're attracted to. Right. So it's in that that can cause massive scars. So a lot of gay guys will just, or, you know, let's just talk about queer people in general. It's just kind of a generalization. I mean, I, you know, we grow up feeling the way that we do. And then, you know, we're expected to kind of act normally in society. And then we get into relationships and, you know, a lot of instabilities happen. And depending on how you date and who you date, you know, that can be really tragic. Yeah, there's there's a lot. So in your opinion, what like what percentage of gay couples are monogamous, do you think? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um yeah. Let's see. 
That's a tough one because, you know, there's so many definitions. I mean, you and I have conversations before about all this terminology. And it's funny because especially reading like profiles and stuff online, people can come up with some really odd terms. Um, to give an example, let well, me, so, I'll, let me, yeah. let me, I'll tell you yeah, what I told you funny. earlier. It's really so funny. I, I was on scruff and I, and this guy in his profile said, pertaining to himself and, his, and the guys with, he says, monogamously coupled play together or separately. Right. And I went kind of like, huh? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the kind of stuff you're talking about. Well, it's weird. And sometimes people don't either don't think about what they write or it makes sense to them in their head. I, one thing I, I talk to a lot with, with clients and other people who are working to connect better and maybe online is writing and rewriting your profile, um, looking for things that work in other people's profiles or like asking your friends to read it. It's great. I mean, it's kind of like editing a book. I mean, just, right. you know. So anyway, back to the question about monogamy. As long as relationships exist and everyone involved is okay with the dynamics, it's great. So, you know, true monogamous couples. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. But there's a, there's a term I heard a long time ago called monogamish. Dan yeah. Savage. Yeah. 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 And it's funny, but I think even beyond what he determined it to be would be, you know, sometimes couples play together. Sometimes they don't disclose it. Sometimes, you know, it's just being in the same room or the same bathhouse or, but then there's some that are absolutely no sexual contact outside the the relationship. But that's more few and far between. Yeah. You know, as I, what I hope for people is if they're going to, be doing things outside of a couple situation to be honest and transparent about it. If you know y- your dynamic, maybe don't ask, don't tell, but that's an agreement. That's fine. Like it, as long it, as it yeah. is an agreement. Right. Right. If one person thinks they're in a monogamous relationship and the other person's cheating on them, then, you know, that takes away the other person's choice to be you know monogamous as well, or to not be lied to. So that's, yeah. Well, and it kind of hurts trust a bit. Yeah. Oh, just a little bit. Yeah. Just, just tears it down a bit. Yeah. You know, but a lot of times there's people's insecurity that really drives what they do or don't do. Do you think so, that gay guys or some of them are, especially, so you take the religious background, the, okay, I'm gay. Now I'm in a gay relationship that they're taking all of the norms of the hetero world and trying to, you know, wrap that sure. around the gay stuff. Is yeah. that what's happening? So, some of them do, you know, I, I mean, I, I think in my, in my twenties, I had that ideal. That this is this is my parents' gay relationship, you know, monogamous living. Were your parents gay? No, no, no. no. <laughs> I mean, my parents. My parents are not that I know of. I mean, I don't. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Mom, are you listening to this? Mom. Like, is there, is there something you want to tell me? Um, yeah, who knows? You know, it's funny because you hear about some of these people having you know same sex experiences, so you just never know. I mean, I'm, I'm super gay, but I you know I've had I've had intimacy with women before, so you just never know. Who knows? Experimentation happens regardless. Um, <laughs> I think when we were talking before, you said, as far as the women, you said it took you, what, four and a half seconds? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was, yeah, I was totally, totally joking. Yeah, I dated. I Yeah, I, I've been with two two women, and like sexually. And I, I like to say I was I was bisexual for four and a half seconds. Oh, that was it. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I tried. I, I, I tried my best. I figured if I had the potential to break my mom's heart by telling her I was gay, I should probably make sure that I was gay. And I, yeah, I, I knew pretty early. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, done. Um, <laughs> bisexuality and, and fluidity exists. I just knew it wasn't for me. So that's okay. The um, So you must have come out to your mom at what age? Uh, 19. 
Yeah. And she I, did not take it well. No, I took her out for Chinese food. It was, it was. <laughs> Why Chinese though? Like, we, we both love Chinese food. Okay. My, my, my mom's <laughs> side's Jewish. We love Chinese food. Okay. Um, it's just, it, it's cultural. So, no, I'm kidding. But the, um, the, yeah, she was, she was not thrilled. And then like to find out later, she actually questioned, you know, blaming herself and, and talking about, you know, how we were raised and difficulties, you know, in the family and, and how and I was like, Mom, I I pretty much knew when I was like four. I had the inklings. Now I know what it was. I didn't know right. I was gay, but I you knew something was different. Back then. Right. No. But yeah, I was like, Mom, I, I you know, I knew something was different at age four. And there are a lot of I think there are a lot of people that that know early on. No, but you know, as far as like what we learn about what's good in relationships and what we should do, yeah, I mean having this kind of white picket fence monogamy, you know, I'm gonna live in the suburbs and have dogs and adopt kids. I was totally on that trajectory. So in a way, I'm I'm not, I'm not really grateful to my ex who was such a jerk and lied to me and all that stuff. But it forced me to kind of end the relationship and then go on this huge path of self-discovery. You know, and now I'm almost 50 and go, I would never be here had it not been for those experiences. So a lot of people talk about trauma and it's like, well, I'm glad that happened because I wouldn't be here. Right. And, you know, I'm not going to ever say that trauma is a good thing to experience, but at least I can say, you know, I made the most of that traumatic experience and right. learned from it and grew. So well, that's always a question for me the, along that same line would be because I came out late in life, was married, three sons. And it's like, okay, do I wish that I never got married? Well, how can I wish I never got married? I wouldn't have my sons. So how could I do that? But yet at the same time, I miss, you know, when I have the... 25 year old two gay guys staying here at my airbnb and they're like all loving you know we're going to adopt kids just like what you're saying and mm -hmm. all this stuff and it's so normal for them and mm -hmm. it, that's so foreign to what i grew up with and what i believed oh sure you know oh absolutely so, but so yeah i guess i would fall into the category of i learned a lot from that and now i get to have this life but absolutely yeah but well, there still is some there's a tinge of remorse that i missed a lot sure well, I think we, you know, we all probably have those moments where it's like, I wish I could go back and do something different. Um, at the end of the day, we, you know, unless you have a time machine that I don't know about, you know, we can't, we can't do it. I'm working on it. It'd be fun. I know, right? <laughs> there, there was a thing on, there was a thing online uh, last week that I read and it was like, it, you could take, you've got two choices and one would be to go back to age six and with all the knowledge that you have today or to get $10 million today. I'm like, $10 million, bring it. I didn't even have to think about it. Like really? I would not. Yeah. I don't think I'd want to go back and relive all that stuff. Um, my experiences make me me and I would be, I would be different. I can't say better or worse. I'm just different. And I'm, you know, I'm at least at a point in my life where I can say, you know, I, I like my life. I like who I am. I don't have that many regrets. You know? Okay. Well, I have a choice for you. So uh -oh. at the point where you, <laughs> at the point where you were figuring out that you were gay, if you could have taken a pill that would make you straight, would you, would you have taken that pill? Yeah, it's funny you say that because I used to, I, I I I used to have conversations with myself where About you know that. yeah, and I think a lot of times people um, wish that they would wake up straight or wake wake up in a different situation. Um, I don't think that's unusual. Um, I thought I was completely weird and, and strange for thinking that, but it, yeah, if I you know if I could have taken a pill at age ten to be straight, I would have taken it, and that would have been awful, you know. Because now I look, it's funny because I look at my male counterparts um, who are approaching 50, who, like who I went to high school with, I'm going, Oh God, you don't, <laughs> you don't want their life. <laughs> no. 
Well, and not that being gay affords you necessarily a happy life. I, I know a lot of very unhappy people. But I know for me, I just had to get through it and kind of learn from it and and develop more self-acceptance and more power. And that's done way more for me in what I'm doing now. I love being there for people and empowering, but I also love being there for my friends. And had I not gone through the process of coming out and self-exploration, I don't think I'd be as strong as I am. And that's something that I, I think queer people don't get credit enough for, is that to go through this process, I think it it has the potential to make us extremely strong. Not only emotionally, but um, in our in our dreams and how we, we focus on things. Of course, we can also get into some really unhealthy things, you know, um, sex and drugs, abuse, all kinds of stuff that really tear us down. But, you know, I, I think showing how resilient we are is something really powerful. It's something that, you know, you think coming out just, you know, especially now, you, you know, our, our generation might say, well, it's so easy to come out now. People just expect it and it's accepted. You know, you still have to co- go through your own process. And it depends what environment you're in as well. Because oh, yeah. if you're like I was in a Christian oh, trap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and you're you can be 18 right now and you'd say, well, culturally we're all different. But yet, if you're in that, you're you're caught in that, you're caught in that. Oh, absolutely. And so you're going to have to go through those same process even though it is 2023. Absolutely. Yeah. I always loved hearing the stories of like my friends that came from a household that you know, they come out, they they have to go through that process of freaking out and then they disclose their sexuality to their parents and they're like, "We knew." It's okay. We love you. It's like, to me, that's so beautiful. And, you know, I still get emotional when I think about that. And I'm not bitter about my situation because I'm super close. You know, my mom's amazing. So, you know, the fact that she had kind of a tough response, that's okay. And when I'm, when I'm working with people and coming out and their, their support networks don't respond as favorably as they want, you know, I really encourage to be patient to a certain point because, you know, sometimes it's, it's a shock. You know, now if they're abusive, that's that's something right. completely else. But um, well, I had somebody on here recently, and in fact, it's not even published yet. It's I'm editing it, <laughs> but he's gay. The the gentleman I was talking to, and then his son. He had one son. He was married. He tried being married for a while, and then later on, the son came out, and he was gay. And he was explaining his emotions on that and his response, mm-hmm. and it was very much like a straight person responding. And <laughs> it came down to what he thought he had in his son and he, what he thought he would, the way his trajectory would be and the way his life would unfold yep. all like blew up in that moment. Yep. And so the fact that he was gay, you know, he didn't just automatically accept everything immediately, mm-hmm. which well, I, I thought that was very interesting. Well, it's funny. Cause I mean, when you start thinking about the, like the stages of grief that are, are really popular to people talk about a lot, um, you know, any kind of change in, in the expectation can cause you to kind of go, okay, this is this isn't right. This is weird. It feels different. I've worked with a client who's transgender and transitioning from female to male, and the the mom had a very tough response. And so the the kiddo I was working with was like, well, she just needs to understand that I'm going to start going by male pronouns and all that stuff. And in talking to the mom, she was just like, you know, I always thought I would. Her big thing was walking her her seeing her daughter walk down the yeah. aisle getting married in right. this big beautiful white wedding dress and that was a pivotal moment in their their healing because um realizing that i mean for the kiddo who is transitioning to go oh you know mom's freaking out because it's just something different than what she wanted she didn't hate me it was right. it was more that it was just adjusting to a new reality right 
Another, the, the old one just yeah. collapsed. Right. Yeah. And they're super yeah. tight now. It's funny because I you know, I got an update from them. This is like two and a half years later. And they're super tight. It's fully transitioned. And the mom is super cool about everything. Um, it was huh. just that moment of like, holy crap, what is this? You know, yeah. it was tough. Yeah, but sometimes patience is good and realizing that people might need to take time to process. Some others on the on the program here have said that. That's like they didn't realize the other person really needed some time. You know, we're talking about my husband. I think on my feet a lot, not only because of what I do professionally, but my my personality. Um, Todd takes time to process. And when we have discussions, arguments, disagreements, um, difference of perspective, I've had to realize I need to back off and allow him time to think and process because I'll be like a dog with a bone. I'll just keep on going, going, going. (laughs) And the look of terror on his face or he gets really frustrated. And I had to realize just because my brain works a certain way, not everyone's does. And so he's he's more left brain. You're more right. Right. uh, We're both pretty analytical, but um, as far as like thinking through, I'm a lot more emotionally intact or in touch with how I feel. And he's a little bit less. So it's like, I'm like I know how I think and feel about anything. You just ask me and I'll tell you, which is why I can do stuff like this. Right. Um, I, I think Todd's a little more cerebral and he wants to kind of think and process about what's going on. So, you know, I just have to cut him a little bit of slack. You know, he'll, he'll tell me he's like, you know, back off. Back so, off. I know. I think that's the best thing in relationships is, you know, is setting boundaries and we can talk for hours about setting boundaries, but you know, he's, he's definitely one of those people in my life. That's like, you know, Brent, you're being an ass, knock it off. And it, huh. it's great. I'm just like, just roll up the newspaper and smack me across the nose. <laughs> Stop it. Talk to me about your music. Ooh. You said you're writing a musical. Yeah. It's so much fun. I've been playing piano since I was a little kid. And then I, I, I was like, I don't want to play piano anymore. I want to get into keyboards. So, cause they make all these cool sounds and I'm a kid right. of the eighties. Right. Um, so, yeah, I started, I, you know, I took all the, the knowledge of playing piano and just started writing kind of darker dance music. And I'm big into like, you know, Depeche Mode, New Order, Skinny Puppy, stuff like that. So I love, I love stuff like that. Um, Skinny Puppy. Skinny Puppy. I that's know. A, it's, that's uh, a new one for me. Oh, no. They're amazing. <laughs> They've been around forever. I'm actually um, supporting a band on tour this summer. And our first show is going to be in Vegas. It's this big festival. And I actually get to go see them and probably hopefully be backstage. They're, they've been one of those bands that's been amazing. Um, what do you mean supporting them? In I'm supporting. Way? I'm kind of like tour managing and doing some other stuff. Okay. Um, I have a side project with the singer of the. It's called My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult. It's um, it's an industrial Say that slower. Ba- my, my, my my life with the Thrill Kill Cult. They're, okay. They're pretty amazing. <laughs> they were they're like a real seminal band in that in that genre. But they've been together for this is a 35th year tour. Oh, wow. And um, I have a side project called Darling Candy with uh, the lead singer named Frankie. And he said, hey, so what do you think about going on tour with us for a few months? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> let's go. So I'm I'm going to I'm gonna take a little bit of time off from my Palm Springs life and go tour around. Um, do you have pets? No. So no. you don't have to say, Todd, you're, no. you're taking Todd. care of the dogs. No, no. Well, we, got, <laughs> we, both had, we both had animals in previous relationships. Okay. And we're like, yeah. no, we want to be able to just get up and go. Go on tour. Yeah, well, we have two house plants. And Todd takes care of those. I don't. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so I do that. Um, my main project is called Probe Seven. It's synth pop. I've worked with a, a zillion different vocalists um, throughout the years. I've had it since 1992. But right now, it's uh, Jason Mark, who's a who's a filmmaker. Uh, he does a lot of a lot of um, adult films. He's I mean he's 
he's prolific and a fun rock vocalist. So I've been working with him for about a year and a half. Um, so what is your music going to be about? Um, okay. So the musical, I'm super excited. Tim Raines from Palm Springs Cultural Center contacted me. This was it's going on almost two years ago and said he had a concept for a musical, but he was having a hard time kind of fleshing out kind of the narrative. Okay. And I and he told me the concept and I was like, I was instantly enthralled. And so I did, he just laughed and he goes, this sounds really cool. And I'm like, I feel like I'm throwing myself at your project. I'm, I'm really sorry. <laughs> Um, I would collaborate with you in a heartbeat because I think it's really neat. And he just, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's set in a struggling gay leather bar and it's, it's, um, it's kind of about family of choice versus family of origin and friendships and connection. There's a strong intergenerational story, but it's not kind of the stereotypical gay thing. It's not, you know, I don't, I don't really, um, you know, it's it's not based in tragedy. It's it's based in 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 hopefulness. And, and Tim is an amazing songwriter. So he's got he's got bits and pieces of you know probably over a hundred songs. Oh wow! You know, some some have lyrics, some don't. Some have little snippets. So now we're you know sometimes it's hard for us to find to carve out time to do it. Right. So we I need to make it a priority. We talk about it almost every week, and then you know, we get going on our own little projects. So have you ever heard of Romeo and Julian? No. Uh. Uh-uh. It was a gay porn musical. <laughs> it was supposed to be like the next big thing would be the, this is what's going to be happening now. Uh, it flopped. Okay. <laughs> it did have a catchy tune though. That was from many, many years ago, but it was, it was so funny. It's so corny. So there's, there's one coach shooting star that our friends Hans Berlin did. And it's, we saw it, we got to see a preview of it. It actually just finished a short run in New York. It's kind of, it's kind of a, the rise and fall of, of a porn, you know, personality. And it's, um, we, we got to see a preview of it. This was years ago. Uh-huh. And, and out of the, I think they maybe did like, like maybe four or five songs. It was at Wang's and it was so good. It was just, I mean, quirky and funny and, and, you know, kind of irreverent, but that's what I kind of like about musicals. You know, you can do, you can do so much weird stuff with it. So we'll see where this goes. Sometimes you just create things and you don't, you don't know what's, what's going to do. You don't know if someone's going to love it and pick it up. You know, you might get 20 words of encouragement or you might get a million or you might, you might get none. So it's, it's, it's hard to encourage creative people to do things sometimes when they're not getting the adoration the or feedback. the the feedback, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's tough. You can only do so many things for your your own edification. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's it, it can be tough. Well, one of the things I love here in in Palm Springs is the creative energy and all the creative people. It's like mm-hmm. amazing here. There's so much going on, right? And I love hanging with these people, like people like you, for example, mm-hmm. because it rubs off on you, and it just it's like. The friction generates heat in what you're doing. I think. Oh, oh I love it. Yeah. You know, I, when I first I was I was here for maybe six months, and I, I had a little play date with with a guy, and I we we messed around. It was a lot of fun, and then we were. He's like, oh, so I, I write some music too. I'm like, oh, really? He's like, yeah, come come over, and he had a keyboard set up with his computer, and here's like you know a couple Emmys, a couple Grammys. I'm like, no way. what the hell? And, really? and it was like, he's like, oh yeah, well, you know, I, I did this and this. I'm like, you're, this is amazing. And you're just like, yeah, I just kind of do this <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, wow, whatever. <laughs> it was hysterical. Oh. Um, but you're right. There's creative artistic writers, painters, you know, musicians. Yeah. I, I love it. I've had a ton of playwrights, authors, 
actors on the on the podcast. It's like I'm wondering, kind of wondering where the direction of it's going. It, it's been really interesting. Yeah. What do you like most about living in Palm Springs? You know, it's it, it sounds really cheesy. You say community, but it's true. I you know, there's so many people here. They're just amazing and good characters. But one of the problems with being a kind of a tourist destination is that you know there's an influx of people. But that's also one of the biggest benefits. There's always, you know, potentially new people, new friendships to be made, new energy. But yeah, it, the, just the variety is is so much fun. You know. Well, plus, I mean, we have a lot of tourists, obviously, but we have a lot of regulars coming. I mean, oh yeah, they're constantly coming from San Diego, L.A., uh, San Francisco, and Minnesota. Minnesota, <laughs> Minnesota. Yeah, actually, yeah, I just I just met funny. some guys. Yeah, I just met a few guys who were here this weekend from there, and it was. Um, it's funny. A lot of people think it's their their retirement destination. It was funny when I when I took this to Todd about potentially getting a place here. He was like, "Well, we could think about that when we retire." I'm like, "Why don't we do it now when we both have jobs?" You know, yeah. and and um, right when you can qualify and when yeah right get it. <laughs> One thing seven years ago Before when the it was prices yeah. go way well, up. Well, yeah, seven years ago it was still relatively affordable, and we sold at the right time in Denver, so that was great. Yeah, there's tons of people that live here full time. There's tons of people that are here regularly or have second homes, and then there's tons of people that visit. So there's always potentially something new and creative. You know, if you want party, 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 you can have that. Sometimes people think Palm Springs is kind of a sleepy town. I'm like, well, you know, if you want the big, huge parties, cool. Two hours away is L.A. on a good day, you know, or or it's six hours away. Depends. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. But you can fly anywhere. You can do whatever. So it's I think the worst thing that people acclimate to is, you know, 115, 100 degrees, you know, whatever. But. Yeah, it's mind over matter. It is, but then the Truly flip side is. of that. No, I'm from right. Seattle, and I love 70 degrees. And yeah. when I got here, and it was 127. Uh-huh. I mean, I was dying. Going, yeah. You know, you get a new house, you're going to Lowe's five times a day. Right. And I would be in the air conditioning, come out, and the heat wave would hit me, and I would die. And then one day, like less than a week doing that, I I just said, no, I can do this. Right. And I did. Yeah. You're just and like, yeah, it's, yeah, hot. it's hot. It's, it's hot. hot. I walk to the car. The air conditioning comes on. You know, right, it's fine. Yeah, I, I got over complaining about that. Yeah. You know, I'm 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 fortunate enough to have a house and a car. I'm I'm fortunate enough to not have to walk a mile with groceries or right. wait at a bus stop. And it's funny because usually the people that complain the most usually have the most ability to really be really not affected by it very much. Right. It's like, wah. Well. <laughs> Actually, the worst thing is if it's under seventy, I'm going to grab a a jacket. You know, I used to be, well, in, you know, I'm a Colorado kid. It would be you know, 45 degrees. I'm out right. with a sweatshirt and shorts. Well, that's me. And then I went up, uh, my three sons, we all rendezvoused on before COVID. And, you know, like I said, 70 was great for me up there. Then I'm acclimated down here. I get off the plane. It's 84 degrees mm-hmm. and I'm cold. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. so funny. It's crazy. When yeah. people look at you like you're crazy, you're like, it's not cold. Yeah. You're like, give it time. Trust me. It'll happen. All right. So as we wind down here, keeping in mind that probably I'd say the majority of my audience is is a gay audience. So what have you learned in your life? What words of wisdom? Throw some pearls at us in closing. Wow. Words of wisdom. You know, one of the the biggest things I think that's important that I have to remind myself as on a daily basis, honestly, um, as well as my clients and my friends is 
like all the negative things about you and stuff like that that go on in your head, it's just a voice. It's old crap. It's old traumas. It's old like ways of thinking and old patterns. You just have to kind of pat them on the head and go, okay, shh, just stop. Yeah. Like this is not going to help you. You know, I had to get over insecurity. I had to get over that um, I wasn't enough and that um, that if people got to know me, they wouldn't like me. You know, at the end of the day, I, there are a lot of times I think people really try to put on what they think people want to see. Um, but you can't keep up impressions. You can't keep up a, a fake persona very long. So, you so know, just be, just be you. Yeah. Um, if there's some, some things you don't like about yourself, you know, great work on changing those, but you know, also celebrate who you are and celebrate the things that you're good at. Maybe you're not, you know, stereotypical, like, you know, sexy, handsome, but you've got a great sense of humor. You've got a unique perspective on the world. You you enjoy whatever hobbies. You know, embrace those things. Yeah, I wish I would have learned that a long time ago. But, you know, it's okay. I know it now. So that's that's a lot better. Yeah. Happy camper. And you know what? The other the other the other pearl of wisdom is um to tell people in your life that you care about and love that you love them. In the past two weeks, there have been four people in my life that have, have passed. And it's, it's, it's weird. It's really weird. It's not, you know, every, every week and every month isn't like that. It was just weird. Um, the fourth one happened last night and I was like, Holy shit. And I looked at this and it was like two, you know, looking over the past two weeks, four people I've been close to have passed two really good ones. And then two kind of ancillary people in my life. And it was just, it was just weird. Um, and you just, legitimately never know. Right. Like one of them, we were, we were at a restaurant, um, two weeks before he passed and we were cutting up and laughing and giving each other crap from across the, the tables. And, you know, so, um, the other thing is like, don't wait. If you are, if you want to go hang out with somebody, do it. If you want to talk to somebody, do it. If you're making plans to go do something, do it. Cause you never know. You might have a heart attack. You might get hit by a bus. Right. Um, the person may decide to move away. Just don't, don't put off to tomorrow what you can really do today. So get off your butts. Do some stuff. <laughs> Good words. Yeah. Hey, this has been fun. Thanks for coming in. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. All this right. is great. Have a great day. You too.